Welcome to another episode of Today's Tick. My name is Trent Scheidecker. I'm a chiropractor and I'm also an advocate for chiropractors who locate, analyze, and facilitate the correction of vertebral subluxation for the better expression of the body's innate intelligence. Each week we like to study in an inspiring principle, question, or chiropractor to help you acquire today's philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic. Thanks for investing your time with us as a student of chiropractic. Now let the class begin. We are back with another episode on today's tick and I have with a dear friend and I say dear because uh, we can go uh, years without talking and pick up like it was just last night or maybe yesterday and uh, we actually just had a conversation not that long ago and I feel like this is going to be an extension of that conversation so I'm really excited to see where this goes but I have with us uh, Dr. Damien Chisello, correct? Yes, that's good. Awesome. Yes. Um, and uh, Damien's coming from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I am uh, here in Woodbury, Minnesota. How's the weather in uh, Pennsylvania right now, Damien? Unseasonably warm. It is, uh, this weekend was like upper 80s to 90, and for late September in Philly, that is a little bit warm. Yeah, same here. We got some humidity here. So I always like talking about the weather just because, uh, you know, no matter where you are, when you're listening to these episodes, uh, sometimes it's a, a nice reminder that the sunshine is always right around the corner, a new season's right around the corner. And uh, I look forward to this next season where I'm uh, around you more here, Damien, and uh, having more of these conversations. Um, but before we get ahead of ourselves, um, give me a little background. You, uh, you've been under chiropractic care since you were a baby and you graduated from Life University, which is in Atlanta, Georgia, correct? Mm -hmm. You're from Philadelphia, correct? Yes, sir. Born and raised, lived here. I live, if I look this way out my back window, about a hundred yards, I can see my parents' house. So I live exactly in the old town where I grew up. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's take this conversation in the route that most students of chiropractic want to hear. Uh, what got you into the profession? What made you become a chiropractor? So it's kind of a cool story. Um, it starts in the mid seventies. I'm the youngest of six and my parents raised 13 kids. So the number of brothers and sisters is always a weird number to say because it always fluctuated. And in my house, no one really looked the same. Uh, we, my parents, uh, brought refugees into their home, uh, unaccompanied minors from other countries who were seeking asylum in the U.S. And they brought in foster kids and adopted a couple kids. And my oldest brother, who's now 62, in 19, the year 1974, hurt himself wrestling in school. And he was injured and he proceeded to kind of slide downhill uh, until he ended up to where he wasn't able to walk he was in so much pain that if he tried to sit up in bed, he would get nauseous and he was no longer able to go to school and he wound up in the hospital and he was getting worse and worse. And the nurses used to pull my dad aside and say, boy, he, your son's not doing very well. We don't know what's going on. This is terrible. And so eventually my dad uh, was um, becoming 
frustrated might not be the right word, but worried about the route he was on. And so he started asking around school, telling everyone the story, and a few people suggested a chiropractor to him. So not knowing anything about chiropractic, he brought that up to the orthopedic surgeon. My brother was now on a very fast pathway towards spinal fusion spinal fusion surgery. And so my dad brought it up to the chiropractor and no lie, or sorry, to the orthopedic surgeon, no lie. In 1974, the orthopedic surgeon said, well, uh, I don't know anything about chiropractic. I've never been to one, but my wife goes to one and she loves it. So uh, I think give it a try and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, we'll do the surgery. And so my dad checked out my brother, drove him away and uh, laid him in the back of the station wagon, drove directly to a chiropractor who someone had recommended. And the gentleman uh, saw my brother, assessed him. He adjusted his spine every day for two weeks, seven days a week, my brother showed up. And at the uh, end of the two weeks, and a little before that, my brother was moving around again and was able to return to school. It was like one of those, you know, we say in chiropractic, a miracle story, right? And my parents thought this was the most amazing cure for back pain they had ever seen. And everybody with back pain should go see a chiropractor. And so I was born a year later and I was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. So my whole head was purple. And I, uh, when I came out in the uh, obstetrician unraveled the cord around from my neck and got me breathing and got me crying like a new baby does. And I started crying only. I never stopped crying. I cried and cried and cried. I was miserable. My mom brought me home from the hospital. I was still crying weeks later, still crying. And it was uh, terrible. And so when my mom brought me to the pediatrician, she said, you know, I have other kids. This one is, you know, this is the worst one of them all, right? Like he's uh, crying all the time. He's miserable. I don't know what's going on. And that pediatrician told my mom that I had colic. And so uh, that just didn't jive well with my mom. So something didn't seem right to that. She was trying to understand what this was. And it didn't seem like a mystery gas that I was experiencing. So uh, she brought me to another pediatrician in the practice. And uh, he said I had an ear infection. And while both of those items may have been true, what my mom realized was they neither of them were on point. So, so her maternal intuition took over and she brought me to a chiropractor. And there was a reason why she, she kind of got tipped off. She would carry me around. And when she had the vacuum cleaner on, I, she would put me in a sling and she'd vacuum the house and I would calm down. I love the noise and vibration, but anything calm, I was freaked out. I was stressed out. And so she brought me to the chiropractor and this chiropractor had a very different approach. He said, uh, well, I don't treat colic. I don't treat ear infections. I don't even treat back pain. I don't do any of those things. What I'm going to do is check your son's alignment in his spine. And I know that his little body will function a lot better if he has no misalignments to his spine. And if he does have a misalignment to his spine, uh, his body's not going to work as well. So in the least bit, we can at least say his spine is all lined up and we'll go from there. And it was as simple as that. And my mom said, well, that sounds fair enough. And he checked me out and he found one subluxation in my spine. It was right here at the top bone. Uh, it was shifted to the left. He took his little pinky finger, put some pressure there, and it changed my entire demeanor and changed the course of my life. And so this chiropractor also said uh, he had this kind of kitschy policy. He said, well, you know, as you can see, like chiropractic is really for about the, for the wellness of your body and take, taking care of maintaining your nervous system. And it's something that you don't do when you get into trouble. You do it to uh, be healthy and as part of your health regimen in your life. And it made perfect sense to my parents. They had seen the uh, the proof was in the pudding, so to speak. But um, 
the logic of it appealed to them. It made sense. They're like, oh, we take vitamins at home and we like to exercise. And, and this seems like a, a good idea, taking care of the spine. We can see what happens when it's not being taken care of. So the chiropractor also said, well, what I do here is I take care of families and I want you to bring your whole family in. And he said, I have a policy. It's um, you pay uh, whatever you do uh, a, a week or whatever. And uh, it's for you and anyone who looks like you. And my parents said, oh, that's a problem in our family. No one looks the same. We all look different, you know, and we're all from all over the place. He said, listen, just bring everyone in. If, they, if they're close enough, they get in. And he was just this really friendly guy, and he made it perfectly accessible for my family to see the chiropractor. And I grew up going to the chiropractor. And um, when I was a kid, just to close the story, when I was a kid, I also would go to the pediatrician here and there. And... When everyone was in the pediatrician, it seemed like, and when I was in the pediatrician, it was because I was sick, right? My parents would get me checked out there if I had a, a big issue. And no one was happy to be there. Everyone was miserable to be in the pediatrician's office. But when I would go with my family to the chiropractor's office, it was great. It was a fun thing. Uh, we didn't do it to only the sick person. We did it to everybody. And everybody had their turn. And it was this fun environment. And other people were there. And they were happy too. And it was like this big party. And everyone was excited. And I said, wait, this is great. Like, what a happy, this is like a happy doctor instead of the, the sick doctor, you know? And I said, I want to be a doctor when I grow up and chiropractor it is. So that's my long-winded story, but that's how my family. So we all grew up, my brothers and sisters, a lot of them still will come who are in the area, come into the practice every week. And my parents come in and it's just something that we do. It's part of our life. Wow. That's very uh, inspirational to, to have that type of uh, background to, <laughs> to such a simple question. Why are you a chiropractor? And you hear these stories often. When I was in school, I would hear classmates say they had a phenomenal life change and experience myself included. I was under chiropractic care, not at that young of an age, but at the age of uh, freshman in high school and noticed a drastic difference in my quality of life. And when it was time to make up my mind on what I wanted to be, it was a no brainer. I mean, looking back on what produced the most uh, effect for my well being and how I could hand that off to future generations. So that's great. You know, um, we share the same, uh, we share the same philosophy and I know this just because we've talked enough, but it, it doesn't hurt asking, uh, since we're here on this podcast, uh, you know, based off of what you've experienced yourself as a user of chiropractic care. Um, and now that you're in practice, what's your, what's your practice, uh, objective in order to create a sustainability because sustainability, um, is kind of our focus here today and i'd like to dive a little bit further into detail on it but before we go too far into it i think this uh this question can open up the the conversation even better what's your objective what what do you do in practice that allows you to uh, provide a service in your community well trent i think this answer kind of goes with to chiropractors it goes to chiropractor students and it also goes to chiropractic receivers, or we call them practice members. Some people might call it a patient. I don't like that word, but uh, someone on the receiving end of the chiropractic. There's a built-in trap to chiropractic, and the trap kind of catches, uh, uh, it catches the receivers, it catches the students, and it catches the doctors alike. I was caught by it. Even though I grew up in this cool paradigm of wellness chiropractic, when I graduated school, there's this we live in this medical model. We live in a medical world of treating people and treating symptoms and treating sickness. So the built-in trap of chiropractic is that 
Many times it makes people feel better. And many times you see these uh, longstanding cases of, of medical failure where the medical system didn't work for someone like for you or like me as a baby and we, or my brother. And we go in there and the chiropractor improves, the chiropractic care improves that for whatever reason. And that's the trap. The problem with that trap is it puts chiropractic in this little tiny box of where we're stacking all our chips on one thing, symptom relief. And then so when the person either A, feels better, and they say, boy, this chiropractic care is wonderful. I love it. See you later. And I'm going to go refer my friends if they have a similar issue. Or B, they don't receive the perceived symptom relief that they thought they were going to have. And they say, boy, this chiropractic care stinks. What a failure. I tried that, and now I have to go try something else. So either way, in that scenario, the person stops chiropractic care. So they lose and chiropractic loses because they kind of missed the point. It's like saying, um, well, I tried exercise and I did that a few times and I just didn't see the improvement that I thought I was going to have, or I didn't lose the weight I wanted. So I'm done with that stupid idea. I'll try something else. We see how short-sighted that is, but for some reason, chiropractic seems to be um, stuck in this for a lot of people, this treatment model. And it's really not... Uh, at least my philosophy, and I know your philosophy, it's not the best utilization for chiropractic care. There's this whole larger picture out there that says, if you take care of this, and if you do this regularly, the benefits keep increasing and increasing over time. And I've seen it in myself. I've been lucky enough to see it with my own family now. I have two kids, but I've been lucky, uh, really lucky to see it in my practice and all the people I work with. And um, early on in my career, what I learned was that's where we get back to sustainability. Early on in my career, I had this practice that was the first thing that uh, described. Someone would come in and they say, my kid has ear infections. And I would do my thing, hoping their ear infections would go away. And sometimes they did. And sometimes they didn't. And I remember being written up in even some of the popular chiropractic magazines. I would send in these awesome testimonials for the great work that I was doing because I was patting myself on the back. And after a while, if you do it long enough, you realize that's not really... Um, an intelligent thing to do. It was an, it's an ego-driven idea, in my opinion. Uh, it doesn't take into account the coolness of the body and how things really work. And we're not in charge of the results that we get. The only thing we're in charge of is trying to uh, apply our talent and our art and let the body uh, absorb that talent and art and express itself how it likes to. And so in my office, I tell people, sometimes health doesn't feel very good. We've all had eaten some bad food and had an upset stomach, and we we uh, vomit or have diarrhea at the end of the day. And that's no fun for anybody, but boy, is that a life-sustaining thing that's happening to our body. So sometimes health doesn't feel very good. Um, and sometimes being unhealthy feels just fine. We all know people who've had heart disease or cancer and they didn't even know they had anything because they didn't have symptoms. So in my office, I really try to pull people away from symptoms and say, let's look at your body objectively. Let's discount all the stuff in the world and let's, um, assess your body uh, from an objective point of view and just do what needs to be done. And I've been lucky enough to realize that over my 19th year career now and to sort of summarize the answer, that has allowed my practice to transition from a revolving door practice of people coming in and out, just looking for some relief and then on to the next thing, sort of crisis care management into something that's sustainable where uh, it's a sustainable practice and living for me because it um, I see people all the time and I get to develop great relationships with them, but then also um, it's sustainable for them because it's, right. uh, it's, 
simple model that they can utilize and do this one simple thing that doesn't take a really long time, but it, it is very far reaching. Yeah, that's great. I didn't think we'd get that far into this conversation I wanted to hit home on today about sustainability, but you really just gave the cliff notes right there. Your objective in in, in my ears is your objective is a proactive approach rather than a reactive approach so that uh, you can consistently um, offer chiropractic care to your community. And, and really sustainability is consistency. It's something that's constant sustaining something is there and uh in order to see the benefits of chiropractic care one has to be under chiropractic care uh, to see that and so i get it all the time in my practice as well uh that fine balance of um the consumer the um uh, the uh, the uh chiropractic myths is what i call it of uh, trying to uh, limit the usage of it. Um, and to me, that's a reactive approach if you're going to limit something. Uh, if you're going to stop doing something that's well for you, you're saying, well, I'm going to do that because I don't need it anymore. Where um, I like to say, the more you do chiropractic care, the less you need it, um, but you need to come in, just like our friend Mark Romano always says, you need to come in on that next visit because the next visit is always the most important visit because that's when you get the evaluation. And so my question to you was your objective and your objective is uh, sustaining uh, clients under uh, this uh, function model rather than feeling model. And, uh, and how do you do that specifically uh, in, in, the, in the profession of chiropractic care? What are you, what are you doing for the consumer? And just give us the, give us the day one orientation in, a, in, in many, I guess, is the best way I could ask. Yeah, so, so I always say uh, in my office when I have my new folks, I have three jobs here. Number one, because what I do is so mi- misunderstood, Chiropractic really is misunderstood by most people, including a lot of chiropractors, in my opinion. So I have to explain this thing. So I tell people, you'll hear me do that all the time. That's something I need to explain on a daily basis. We talk about this thing and and the uh, nuances of it. And then two, you have to keep it for something to be sustainable. It has to be accessible. So on the accessibility front, when I do my thing. I explain, uh, I don't do appointments. I only do an appointment on the first visit. And then the only um, hoop or barrier, I ask them, I tell them, and having no appointments is a wonderful thing because everybody is busy. I'm busy too. But in order for me to pull that off, I have to create an environment that allows that to happen. So I do an orientation in my office. So new folks come to an orientation. Uh, I have them twice a week, one in the evening, one in the morning. I'll do one tonight. And Uh, They come to that and I just explain all the myths and misconceptions and basically answer all the questions I'm always asked. That way, I say we front load all of the knowledge. So then up front, you know everything I need you to know. And so what I found over the years of doing this is then you don't need, you won't have a lot of questions on the first, uh, uh, on an average visit. You may have a question and I'm certainly open to you asking a question whenever you have one, but most of the time people are just in and out and it speeds up everyone's day. And then the last thing after accessibility is affordability. I don't care how good something is and how wonderful or life-changing or whatever you profess it to be. If someone can't afford it and you don't have methods in place to let a community access it, then it's self-limiting. And so I have to have those 
models in place, and I didn't invent them, and you didn't invent them. They were there long before us uh, by folks who thought this way and thought this thing out, and I just uh, was lucky to have great mentors who showed me how to do it. And that way, I feel very happy that I've never told someone they can't come in because of finances. Everything's been affordable for folks, and anyone who wants to do it can access it. Yeah, so you're making a lifestyle out of out of the habit of chiropractic care. Yes, sir. That's great. Who who's inspired you? And I know that we share common uh, common mentors uh, within the profession, but who's inspired you to be uh, this type of chiropractor in in the profession? So I think right we have the we have the the common tree and. Um, very quickly, I would point out, you know, all the like Reggie, who was the the philosophical role model for all of us, Reggie Gold. And if you're if you ever want to get pumped up or you feel like you're lost your way a little bit, listen to some Reggie Gold, and you'll be right back on. Uh, Joe D'Onofrio has been a uh, a life changing mentor for me. What I love most about Joe, and I always tell this to him, and I've I've spoken it to him, I've written it to him, any way I can tell it to him. Uh, thank you so much for offering your great 50 years of practice knowledge and just giving it to me. And he's never asked a dime from me. He's never asked anything from me other than to listen up, pay attention and go do it. And uh, so as a, as a pledge to him, and I hope I stick by my pledge, but I'll never ask a dime for anyone else, anyone who ever asks uh, a question to me or, um, you know, if I can help in any way. And I, I I've admired that. And that, that means a lot. There's nothing that speaks, as honestly and as loudly as someone just giving uh, so selflessly like, so like Joe. And then uh, I will also say, so there's been a ton of other mentors you included and, and some of the folks we've mentioned already, but I also have to say I've had a lot of chiropractors in my life too. And there are some chiropractors, even some colleagues, some friends I went to school with, and they've taught me things too. Uh, some of them as simple as they've taught me things I don't want to do. And they've reassured me that, that this other way of practice or this other style or these other uh, modalities or things they might do in their practice are fine for them, but not for me. So I think I'm someone who like, I learn from everybody, you know, uh, there are, there are great mentors on, on both sides of the equation. That's great. What's, what's been the, the biggest advice, uh, given to you by your mentors, uh, to, to create a practice that, uh, is built around sustainability and built around, uh, this practice model where you see people on a consistent basis with affordable care fees. Uh, what, what, what makes the, the most, or what, what's given you the most impact, uh, to the way you practice now? Well, I didn't always practice this way. And so when I first graduated, I practiced a different way. I, uh, there are reasons for that, but I used to take insurance and I took auto accident cases and kind of like what I would call a little, what you see a little more typically out there if you were to flip through a phone book, if anyone has those these days, but you kind of see that type of model. And, um, and uh, so I didn't practice this way. And when I look back on that, or I, I have a lot of difficulty, I've spent a lot of time and energy trying to figure out what makes someone go this route. And what makes someone um, do it this way or do what I did and convert their practice? And while people have given me great advice over the years, there's an old Sigafoos thing that when I heard James Sigafoos speak at a few conferences and he would stand up and he would, he was a famous chiropractor in Pennsylvania, actually in rural Pennsylvania, in the middle of nowhere and saw, had a huge practice and a, a great speaker and a great 
sort of modern day thinker, uh, chiropractic thinker. And he said, when I counsel chiropractors, the question I would always ask them is, what do they want? He said, most people, most chiropractors or people in general in their life, they don't know what they want. If you ask them what they want, they sort of hem and haw about things. And so the greatest thing that I think that allowed me to shift my practice and make my practice into the, from this kind of average practice into something really special was I made up my mind. I decided to do it. I think it's no different than someone who says, you know, there's that guy who you're, you're hanging out with him as your old high school buddy and he's sort of, you know, out of shape and, and kind of slovenly. Right. And then you see him a year later and he's like, man, he's in great shape. He lost 50 pounds. He's muscular. He's fit. He's like running races or doing whatever he wants to do. What do you do? Well, I just decide I eat differently and I exercise. Like they just made up their mind, you know, and, and every day someone wakes up and they, and they step on the scale or they, you know, stand in the mirror and like they reached their goal that day. They, they met that goal because they met, they made up their mind to do it. And so I think the biggest thing that holds most people back is maybe self self-belief, belief in oneself that they can actually do it. And so I just made up my mind one day. I came up with a list of things I wanted to do, how I was going to do it. I sat with my wife. We chatted it up and I told her, this is what I think I need to do to pull this off. She's an awesome wife. So she said, go for it. And, and the made up mind is the big thing. And you know, if you don't make up your mind, it's not going to happen. That's correct. That's uh it's a great and simple yet uh, uh, what's simple to do is uh, sometimes the hardest to do uh, uh, recommendation of uh, chasing after the dreams and the vision that, that we all have. I mean, we all have a different vision and a different dream, I think, inside our hearts. Uh, what do you what motivates you to, uh, to being a chiropractor, to, uh, show up every day to offer this service to your community in a world that has this trap of thinking that how the body feels is how the body's functioning. And you're showing up telling the client or telling the practice member on their day one orientation, uh, something completely different. And you're, uh, you know, you're being a challenge and a disruption in their, their mindset of why they need to come back and see you, what motivates you to, uh, be in this, uh, being this chiropractor of, uh, I guess a beacon of, uh, of different light, different information. I, that's a great question. It's not something I think about a lot. What motivates me? It just kind of like after a while, I think it becomes you and it just kind of happens. But I love, you know what I love? I love the sense of focus. I love to, to start adjusting people and really be focused or the focus of someone bringing, um, coming in and they start, maybe they might complain about a symptom or they, something. so they're, they're sort of challenging you for a moment, right? They're challenging your, your, what you stand for. And they're saying, Hey, I'm going to convince you that this is really about my pain in my backside. Right. And I love the challenge of all of a sudden being able to focus and trying to that little chess match of, of coming up with an answer or an insight for them that might open up their eyes a little bit, or, uh, so you're, you're changing their mind. And then you, the challenge of someone laying on the table and you get to just be totally focused in the zone with them. And you have a whole bunch of people waiting, but the only person in the world right now is that person in front of you. And that focus of, can I push all of the stuff out of my mind to, give this person the best possible adjustment I can at that moment. And it's challenging. It's not an easy thing. Um, 
it's, it's much easier to get out of focus than to stay in focus. And so all day long, you know, like you do, you're running a practice and you're managing so many things at once. But then the most important thing in the world is just to hone in on that adjustment. And so I will always, um, I find myself more and more, the busier I get, taking a moment in the middle of a, the adjustment and I'll take a deep breath or I'll just, uh, I'll see all the people in the waiting room all of a sudden and I'll feel that stress and I close my eyes and it takes, now it takes one second like sort of Jedi style, I can just sort of quick close of the eyes, quick breath, and I can refocus. And I love that feeling that I can like bring it back into focus. So I I love that challenge. That's great. I've never heard that before. And when you say that, it reminds me of what we would always call, I played football, I played uh, high school and college football. We always called it being in the zone. And it's almost uh, your body produces a state of adrenaline because you're out there competing and time slows down a little bit and everything else kind of gets out of focus so that you can focus. And uh, no, I think that's a fair, that's a fair, uh, fair answer for a, for a big, tough question. And, uh, did you play sports? Is that something that you're, you're, you've got in within you in the, in the background? It's so funny. You were saying that. So I love sports. Uh, but uh, so I played like recreationally, but I wasn't an athlete. And so, I mean, right. It's the zone that athletes talk about. So the yep. crowd goes away, the noise goes away and that focus. The only thing I, I enjoy lifting weights, the, that's the only other moment I found that as an adult, like where yeah. hey, this is a big, heavy thing. If I don't fully concentrate on this, I'm either going to like drop it or hurt myself or, or unsuccessfully lift it. So uh, I do like weightlifting. That's probably the, the second closest thing I find to getting that in the zone. Thing. In the zone. It's, a, it's a sports metaphor. I love sports. I'm a great, uh, I love coaching now. I can say it. I just can't do it. <laughs> that's it. Sometimes uh, saying it's more challenging than doing it. So, yeah. um, no, this is all good stuff. And as a student of chiropractic, uh, uh, listening to this, what you know, going back over what we just talked about, and having this vision of uh, seeing people benefit from not being in the trap of uh, thinking that their body is as well as it should be uh, when it when it's feeling fine, and uh, benefiting from seeing a chiropractor on a regular basis uh, so that it can express more optimal function, just like you mentioned with, with yourself uh, receiving care when you were a baby. What, what words of wisdom can you give uh, to anyone that is either under chiropractic care or someone that's becoming a chiropractor and, and training at a school? Uh, what, if you could look back on your 19 years in practice and give a shout out to your old self listening to this, what would you say? What, what, what comes to mind with what you've accomplished in the last 19 years to, uh, to the young, inspiring, uh, either advocate or soon to be chiropractor? Good question. I will give, uh, an answer for the the recipient person and an answer for the student. So my, my challenge to the chiropractic recipient, the person coming in receiving adjustments or that young chiropractic advocate, and they want to go tell their friends or whatever. My challenge to you is I want you to practice, practice releasing yourself, practice releasing yourself, freeing yourself from the trap, freeing yourself that you're doing this and associating with any aspect of health. Like I brushed my teeth this morning. I did not think about all the nuances of tooth pain and cavities and all the things that can go wrong. I did it because I released myself to the awesomeness of just doing this thing. I see tons of kids in my office uh, 
And the wonderful part about kids is the kids just jump on the table because they've released, they don't associate any stuff along with this. They just associate, this is a fun, good thing to do. And it feels pretty good. And that's really what they know at age two or three. And it's, they enthusiastically, most of the time, jump right on the table and get right into it. So be a kid, release yourself of all the stuff that the world tells you this should be about and just experience it. And sometimes your adjustment will feel awesome. And sometimes you'll get adjusted and you'll feel just the same. And sometimes you're going through something and your body is going to speak to you about that and let you know. And if you don't listen to it, it might even turn up the volume on you. That's okay. Just realize that and, and, and be with it and release yourself of what it means and just receive chiropractic care with sort of an open mind and open spirit. And it's a next level thing. When I go into my chiropractor, I don't say a damn word. I go in, I don't tell him. I have chiropractors who come to me all the time and they'll do that. They'll point to stuff and I can't believe they're doing it. I go in, I lay on the table and I receive it. So that's what I challenge that uh, to people who are receiving or the uh, chiropractic advocate. The student, uh, it's, a, it's a crazy journey. When I graduated school, I wanted to practice just like this, I, th- like we practice, you and I, but I didn't. I, I fell into the trap. I stepped into the trap and I thought it would be a better career decision not to do it this way. I thought if I just did what everybody wanted and, was the, and did it how everybody th- thought, the common thinking, I would be somehow more accessible. And um, what is it? Why, uh, what's the saying? Why try to fit in when you were born to stand out, right? So no. I uh, allowed myself to just try to be regular. And guess what I got out of it? After about six or seven years, I had a regular practice. It was completely average in any way. It was a middling practice. It was statistically average. It was statistically uh, um, financially probably average, maybe a little below. And so I tried to be like everybody else and do what everybody else did. And I got average results. And so when I realized I wanted to step out a little bit and not be afraid to tell people the big picture and that there's this bigger idea out there, I found, shockingly, people were ready to receive it. Most people were, re- were happy to hear that story. And, and it made me unique. And, and I was able to stand out. And my practice stands out. So uh, to the students, awesome. don't be afraid to stand out. To the recipient, don't be, don't be afraid to receive. Just, just be on the receiving end. Uh, the busy mom, man, this is your two minutes just to let it all go and let something happen to you that's wonderful. And that's, that's awesome. And I have very little to add to the top of that uh, advice because that was so, so well put. And I appreciate your thought and your clarity on uh, differentiating for the consumer and for the student, which sometimes uh, can be both all in one. But yeah, receive it and, uh, and, and definitely be. Uh, step out and be yourself because, uh, I always say what, what's easy to do now is going to make your life uh, tougher later. And what's tough now will make your life easy later. And that was uh, by Jim Rohn. And I love that statement, which is pretty much, uh, what you summed up right there for the advice. So this is, uh, this is, this is a good one. This is one of the top, uh, conversations I've had on today's tick. And I look forward to rewinding it and listening to it again. And, uh, I appreciate 
appreciate it, your your time and energy for the profession. I know that uh, you're you're actively involved in uh, organizations within the industry, such as the Chiropractic Trust, and I know that you uh, you sit on uh, other organizations, uh, and and that just shows character and leadership for for who you are as a person. And uh, we need more leaders within the profession, and uh, hence hence why I'm out having conversations with them so that I can continue to lead because you got to surround yourself with the Eagles uh, if you want to soar. So I appreciate your time, Damien. Thank you. And thank you for a quick plug to my football team, the Eagles, as we <laughs> show this week, Thursday, we're going to go up to Green Bay and we're going to take care of your team, my friend. Um, thanks for the reminder that I have uh, some ranting and raving to do after the game because I think it should be a good game, but it's going to be a tough game for you to come in and, and uh, do any type of damage to our team in Lambeau. So that's a good plug. Thank you. <laughs> I feel good about it. I've, I, we're ready. My boy Carson, he loves it up there in the cold weather. Awesome. It's on. That's, uh, that's it for today's tick. Uh, join us on another episode. Thank you, Damien. See you, buddy. Thank you. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you enjoyed with it by tagging us at Today's Tick on social media. If this is your first episode. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. Reviews help us spread the message about chiropractic and the location analysis and correction of vertebral subluxation. Share this episode with your friends, classmates, and colleagues. And be a champion, be a hero, and send them this episode. You never know how far reaching something you think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. BJ Palmer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, mitigate, or prescribe the use of any technique as a form of treatment for any physical condition, symptoms, or diseases. Directly consult with a qualified healthcare professional for any chiropractic or medical advice. And in addition to the benefits of chiropractic care, one should also be aware of the existence of some risk. Risk associated with chiropractic care may include soreness, musculoskeletal sprain, strain, and fracture. In addition, there have been reported cases of stroke associated with chiropractic care. Research and scientific evidence do not establish a cause and effect relationship between chiropractic care and the occurrence of stroke. Rather, studies indicate that people may be consulting chiropractors when they are in the early states of a stroke. In essence, there is a stroke already in process. However, you are being informed of this reported risk.